Well, with everything that's been happening over the last few weeks, uh, I've wondered whether we should continue with our study of uh, 1 Peter or, or whether we should adjust our focus to something else. And, and uh, I am still considering that for the weeks ahead. But for today, anyways, I think we are going to continue in uh, 1 Peter. However, as we just finished up chapter 2 last week, uh, our next passage in chapter 3 is where Peter gives instructions for husbands and wives. And there's some, some pretty controversial things in there if you've read through that. And, and so I want to be careful that I present that passage passage in a way that's accurate and, and consistent with what the rest of the Bible says. And, and so uh, I don't want to say things or, or not say things simply because they don't meet our, our modern uh, culture and, and way of doing things. And, and so I want to make sure that I take a little bit of extra study to, to make sure that I'm doing this right. Uh, however, with the craziness of this past week, I simply haven't had the time to do that extra study. And so today I want to skip down just a little bit in 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, down to verse 8, and, and go down to 12. We'll, we'll hopefully come back to this other passage uh, a little bit later. But I think this passage today is very applicable to us, especially in light of all the things that are going on in our world today. Uh, so let me start by just reading those verses for you. Uh, so this is in 1 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 8. Peter writes this, Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Now, I'll again remind you why Peter is writing this letter. You'll recall that Peter is writing uh, to Christians who are living in exile, some of them literally exiled from their homes uh, because of persecution, but all of them living in exile as Christians in an unbelieving world. As citizens of the kingdom of God, uh, we pledge allegiance to a different king, uh, and we live under his authority and his rule. Uh, and the values and the, the priorities and the practices of those in the kingdom of God are often very different from those in the kingdom of the world. And so these Christians to whom Peter is writing to were living very differently from the people around them. And because of this, uh, many of those people around them treated Christians with a great deal of suspicion, uh, as if they were some uh, strange cult or something like that. And therefore, Christians at this time began facing increasing hostility. And I can imagine that without the support and the care of others in their church family, uh, these Christians would feel very much alone. Some of them were physically alone, uh, being far away from any family or relatives nearby to, to support and encourage them. Uh, others would have felt very spiritually alone, perhaps being the only Christians in their family or their circle of friends. You know, to these people living in exile, whether physically or relationally, you know, being loved and cared for by their church family was extremely important. Uh, and so that's why Peter writes these words in verse 8. He says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and keep a humble attitude. 
And we're going to dig into this verse a little bit more, but I can't help but see how applicable this is for us today. You know, in all the verses preceding this, Peter's been talking about what kind of relationships we are to have with the people around us. Uh, he talks first about the relationships that we have with our government and with those in authority over us. Uh, he talks about the relationship between slave and master or between employee and employer. In the verses that we hopped over, he talks about the relationship between husband and wife. And now, in this verse here, he talks about the relationship that we are to have with the other Christians around us. And this has always been important, but I think it's all the more important in these days. Uh, as we self-isolate and we hunker down in our homes and we wait for this crisis to pass, uh, as fear and anxiety runs rampant in our communities, you know, we need the support and the encouragement of our church family uh, more than ever. You know, even though we can't meet face-to-face -face, uh, on Sunday mornings, we still have all kinds of ways that we can connect and, and encourage one another. Uh, and I think these instructions from Peter are very timely for us today. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted, and, and keep a humble attitude. Now, Peter begins by telling us to be of one mind, or, or the NET translation puts it, all of you be harmonious, or, or the NRSV translation puts it, all of you have unity of spirit. You know, the idea here is not that we're all, you know, identical clones, but that we all have the same purpose and values, you know, the same ultimate goals and intentions on how we live our lives. In fact, Jesus prayed for us some 2,000 years ago that we would experience that kind of unity together. In John 17, 20, Jesus prays, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. You know, Jesus prays that we would be one, that we'd be of one mind, that we would be one with each other and one with God. Now, again, this doesn't mean that we can't have diversity among us. You know, I think it's great that we have such different people in our church family. But there's some things, uh, some goals and some purposes that we can all unite around. Uh, things like we want to glorify God in everything we do. Now, of course, we all do a lot of different things, right? We have different hobbies, different jobs, different passions in life. Um, but all of those things, in all of those things, we want to glorify God. Uh, we can be united around that goal. You know, let's bring God glory in everything we do. You know, even when we're stuck at home, even when we're out of a job, even when we're, you know, we're out of toilet paper, whatever it is, let's bring honor and glory to God in everything we do, right? We can all be united around that purpose. Another purpose that we can all be united around is simply loving God and loving our neighbors. Uh, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Clearly, loving God and loving our neighbor are, are two things that God wants every Christian to do. Um, not, not everyone in our Christian is gonna, or everyone in our church is going to be united in their understanding of, you know, how the end times are all going to unfold. Not everyone's going to be united in, in uh, their ideas of whether God is in time or outside of time. Not everyone's going to be united in their views of, of Calvinism or, or uh, Arminianism or, or a million other isms. Uh, those are all things that we can disagree on, but we can all be of one mind in this, that, that we can love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. 
Um, a third example of how we can all be of one mind is in our desire to make disciples. Uh, in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and I, we've read this one uh, a few times in the recent weeks, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, these are the marching orders for every Christian. You know, no matter where you are or who you are, uh, all of us are to make disciples. And I think we have a, a tremendous opportunity and a tremendous responsibility, you know, in, in these next weeks and months ahead in particular. You know, we can't leave the disciple making to, to programs and pastors. We no longer have our, our Sunday school or our kids club programs running. Uh, we've got no youth group, no ladies Bible study going on right now. It's up to all of us to follow Jesus' instructions to his disciples, uh, to make disciples and teaching them to obey all the things that God has commanded them to obey. You know, we can all be one-minded. We can have one purpose as we strive to make disciples uh, of our kids, uh, of our neighbors, and, and of everyone we meet, you know, so long as we stay six feet away. The bottom line is that with all these big overarching goals and purposes that we all share together, we should never let any of these less important minor differences keep us from working together to accomplish these big goals. You know, it's a tragedy, I think, when Christians fail to work together because of some smaller, minor differences. You know, whether that's a minor doctrinal issue or maybe an incident that happened between two people or two groups of people, uh, whatever the case may be. We can't let little stuff like that keep us from working together to do these big things, those things that God has asked us to do. We must be of one mind, united together to accomplish those things that God has asked us to do. Remember, we're all in this together. All of us together are the body of Christ. We are brothers and sisters in him. We're his family. Uh, and that leads us into the second part of this verse here. Peter writes in, in verse 8, Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humble attitude. You know, it's been interesting as I've talked with different people over this last couple of weeks, uh, just how, how differently people are reacting to all the things that are going on in the world around them, um, how differently it's impacted their lives. You know, there's some people that I've talked to over the past couple of weeks and, and, you know, you wouldn't even know anything's going on. I mean, sure, there's some minor inconveniences in their life. But for the most part, it's, it's just life as usual. And, and as you talk to these people, you know, they're not even sure what all the fuss is about. But then there's other people that I've talked with and their life is in total upheaval. You know, everything's changed. They've had important plans that have, they've had to cancel. Uh, their jobs are in question. Their, their financial situation is dire. You know, they're, they're really dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety in this time. And I think this just shows how important it is that we as a church family are there for each other. You know, we need to sympathize with each other, as Peter says. You know, even if we're not experiencing the same thing, we need to try to put ourselves in their shoes and understand how they're feeling in all this. We need to love each other as brothers and sisters. We need to be tenderhearted towards each other and keeping those humble attitudes. You know, it's pretty easy for us to get caught up in our own little world. You know, it's easy to forget that there's other people around us who are, who are hurting just like we are. And this isn't restricted just to you know all the, the fallout from the coronavirus. There's always people hurting around us, even in our church family. 
You know, there's always people in our church who are, are struggling in their marriages. There's always people in our church who, who can't find work, uh, people who have sickness or, or injuries. There's people uh, who uh, have lost a loved one. There's people who are suffering from depression or anxiety. And a lot of times, we don't even know it, right? We, we stoic Canadians don't usually share our, our feelings and tell people what's going on in our lives. And so it's really important that we as a church, we take the initiative to get involved in each other's lives. You know, we've got to love each other like brothers and sisters. So when these things do come up, you know, we're already there. We're part of their lives. We know what's going on and we can be there to walk with them through these difficult times. And I think this is one of the, the great opportunities that we have uh, in, in light of all these recent uh, developments in our, in our world today. Um, we have the opportunity, even though we aren't meeting face-to-face, -face, uh, but because of that, you know, we know that yeah, we're all distanced, we all uh, are going through struggles, and so this is a great opportunity for us to intentionally deepen those personal relationships that we have with each other. You know, with all the things that are going on, it's not even awkward just to call someone up from the church and say, hey, you know, I was thinking about you and praying for you this week. Uh, how's everything going? What are you struggling with? How can I help? You know, that might seem out of the blue uh, in most normal situations, but with all this going on, people wouldn't even bat an eye. This is a great opportunity for us to draw closer to each other in our relationships. And on that note of great opportunities, I think this is also another great opportunity to build relationships with your neighbors, perhaps. You know, for, for some of those same reasons. In any other circumstance, it might be weird for you to, you know, call them up out of the blue and say, hey, how's it going? What are you struggling with? How can I help? But, you know, with the things going on today, they wouldn't even bat an eye. In fact, I would guess that most neighbors would really appreciate the fact that you cared enough to come and ask them, how are you doing? How can I help? You know, I think this is a unique opportunity that we may not have again to really connect with our neighbors and build those relationships with them in hopes that one day we can help them come to know and love Jesus too. So make the most of these unique opportunities. Uh, but to get back to our passage in 1 Peter, Peter continues by instructing us in our, our interpersonal relationships by saying, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Now, this is exactly what we were talking about last week as we talked about the relationship between slaves and masters. And just to refresh your memory, let me just read a couple of verses from 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 21. This is what we read last week. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. We noted last week that God has called all of us to do good, even if it means suffering, because that's exactly what Christ did for us. And this must be an important point, because now again, in chapter 3, Peter is making the same point for the second time. He says we're not to repay evil for evil. We're not to repay insult for insult. Instead, we're to pay them back with a blessing, because that is what God has called us to do, and he will bless us when we do that. Now, I imagine that Peter is... is thinking about our relationships with the outside world when he talks about people who are insulting us and, and doing evil to us. Uh, and that's kind of where we focused our thoughts last week. But I suppose this principle is equally applicable uh, within our own homes too. Um, 
this is probably an important thing to remember uh, as we're stuck at home with our families over these next few weeks or months. You know, it's hard to live in close quarters with the same people for a long period of time. Cabin fever can get the best of us as we, we rub each other maybe the wrong way over and over and over again. Uh, and so maybe this is a timely reminder for us as we're cooped up with our families. Don't repay evil with evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That's what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. Now, I, I can already imagine myself repeating this verse to my kids again and again uh, throughout this next week. Do not repay insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Uh, when others are mean to you, be kind to them. When others put you down, you build them up. When others hoard and withhold, you be generous and share. Don't repay evil for evil. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. And this is an important principle. It's one that Peter keeps bringing up. We're to do good even when people aren't doing good to us. Because that's what it means to love like Christ. Uh, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, he didn't wait till we got our act together. He didn't wait until we started doing good. No, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we need to do the same. We need to do good to others, uh, even while they do evil to us. We need to bless others, even while they insult us. This is what God has called us to do, and he will grant you his blessing, which is, is worth more than anything. In fact, Peter goes on to explain. He says in verse 10, For the scriptures say, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. And this is actually a quote from Psalm 34. Uh, it's actually the same passage that Greg read for us last week, uh, the part that had that verse, uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Well, this verse comes just before this passage here. And, and this is the blessing that God promises to those who do good. He doesn't promise that you'll always be free from trouble or that things will always go your way. Uh, he doesn't promise that you'll be healthy and wealthy and, and be well-stocked in toilet paper. But he does promise that the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. In other words, as we seek to follow the, the footsteps of our Savior Jesus, loving our, our Christian brothers and sisters, loving our neighbors as well as our as much as ourselves, doing good even to those who do evil to us, we know that when we do that, God will take care of us. You know, we may go through difficult times. We may, we may even suffer for doing good. But our God, the God who made the heavens and the earth, he will watch over us. He loves us more than we can imagine, and he will walk with us every step of the way, giving us his peace and his joy and everything we need to make it through our day. Uh, and I know many of you are facing challenges and, and concerns as you go into this week. You know, there's a lot of unknowns in our world today. But I just want to remind you that there are no unknowns to God. You know, none of this is outside of his sovereign control. And if God has allowed this, he must have some good that he wants to bring out of this. And so I would encourage you this week to look for the good. Look for those things, those ways that you can be a blessing to others, that you can be an encouragement to them. You know, make the most of these unique opportunities that God is bringing you. Continue doing good. Follow the footsteps of Jesus. 
I want to close today by just reading a short passage from Luke chapter 12, uh, starting at verse 22. And I think these would be good words for us to take into our week. So Luke chapter 12, verse 22 says this. Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns, yet for, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows what you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. You know, our God is still sovereign. Our God is still good. And all he asks of us is to trust him and to continue doing the good things that he's asked us to do. So let's do that this week. Let's trust him. Let's keep doing good. Let's love each other as brothers and sisters. Even if we're not physically meeting with each other, let's, let's take the initiative to, to call each other up or, or send a text or, or whatever the case may be. But let's care for each other and take care of our neighbors too. Let's make sure that we make the most of these opportunities that God has given us to make disciples and, and through all of this to give praise and honor and glory to God. Let, let's pray and then we'll be closed for today. Dear God, we thank you so much for your incredible love for us. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who went through the, the pain and the suffering of dying on the cross while we were yet sinners. God, may we walk in his footsteps. May we do good to those who are even doing evil to us. May we love each other as brothers and sisters uh, as we go through this, this unique and, and difficult time in our lives. May we have such good relationships with each other that, you know, even though we Stoic Canadians don't share our feelings, but may we just have such good relationships with these people in our church family that they already know the things that are going on in our lives and that they're there for us to walk with us and encourage us and, and uh, keep us going through it all. God, thank you that you've called us to do good. And if we do that, you've promised that your eyes will watch over us. Your ears will hear our prayers. Thank you that as we seek the kingdom of God, you provide everything we need. God, help us to remember all these things as we go into this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.